0: Borderlands Cooperative.
1: Join us for critical conversations about things that matter.
0: Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial.
1: And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au.
0: So, together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics,
1: politics,
0: education,
1: health climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again on Community Radio 3CR. We're broadcasting from Wurundjeri country. Think Again is offered by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization that has been dedicated to positive social change for over 25 years. I'm Jacques Boulet, and today I'm talking with Dr. Kate Shaw, urban geographer at Melbourne University, and we'll talking, we'll be talking about housing. Welcome again to Think Again, Kate.
0: Oh, hmm. <laughs> hello, hello, okay. and thank
1: you. So, we've got another, yet another attempt at fixing the housing crisis in Victoria, and immediately after the announcement of the Victorian Housing Statement, as it was called we had the usual responses from political parties, activists and academics across the mainstream media and, of course, across the social media. Reactions were more or less aligned with their party and economic ideological affiliations and positions. The announced measures were not enough, and they would temporarily create even more housing crisis. And what about public housing and having to relocate those people and their communities? And what about the local councils and their planning, and so on, the usual kind of things which were being broadcast. Then one week later, seemingly forgot, forgetting all the negativity and the professed concern, the same mainstream press enthusiastically reported that real estate median prices had totally recovered to their pre-COVID record levels. The entire real estate sector seems to shout hallelujah without even the slightest mention of the affordability crisis, which was dominating the the news just a week earlier. No attempt even to link the two housing phenomena. So we obviously need some help here, dear Kate. First, could you briefly summarise for our listeners what the Victorian Housing Statement is about or what its several clusters of proposed policies and strategies are as they respond to the several aspects of the housing crisis and what your general assessment of that package is? Yeah,
0: sure. Um, I guess there are four key elements of the package Um one is the uh, the demolition of the forty four of melbourne's forty four um, old housing commission powers. um uh, and that, another is is um designation of government land um public land um, to uh private developers to build in the in the usual public private um mix um there is some minimal improvements to um rental protections. Um and there is a uh, fast tracking of um planning processes that basically cut council mm-hmm. out of um planning decisions. Um all of these have got their own particular problem <laughs> um and, and don't achieve a lot. Um the demolition of the towers is, is obviously highly problematic um in a time of, in the midst of a of a, of a housing crisis <laughs> we're, we're actually demolishing um <coughs> housing which is um a, a variable um variable degrees of of condition um mm-hmm. so, from, some of the uh, flats in the towers are, are not in great nick. I mean, apparently there are quite a few problems at the Carlton Towers. Um, there's some um, sort of sewage backing up, um, and they were among the first to be built um, out of brick. Um, there are other towers, um, like, such as in Collingwood and Footsoil, and, oh, yeah, other than Gardens which have recently been refurbished are, 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 are and, and are in, in great condition. Um, so the sweeping statement, you know, the big... <clears throat> it's one of Dan's you know, big housing build-type um, uh, statement um, is unfortunate in this case because there needs to be nuance uh, and the towers need to be treated differently and they need to... Uh, have um each one needs a different analysis. Um they're, they're not they're not all the same. Uh and we should be able to see those evaluations and, and and be persuaded of the necessity of their demolition um before it happens. Um and even then um we need a rationale as to why they're being demolished now. <laughs> um, as opposed to why why we're we not focusing on putting more housing uh, more stuck, demolishing existing housing. Um, the sale of public land to private developers is, is, is obviously highly problematic because um, it's much cheaper for the government to build on its own land or land that it, it actually manages um, on behalf of us. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's just economically um, highly unfortunate. The, the renters' rights improvements are... Indeed, uh, an improvement, but fabulously um, and weirdly, the housing statement actually contains a whole page of justification for not introducing rent control, mm-hmm. um, which is draw, draws on the same you know, conservative economic logic that has been fluttered around for years. Um, as, you know, it's now part of a, an economic orthodoxy that rent controls ultimately, you know, re- reduce housing stock and and, and, and reduce um the condition of housing and limit limit new housing supply, none of which is actually um substantiated to any great degree and in fact are now in many cases in Europe, um where that's shown to be nonsense. Um and finally, uh, the fast checking of planning decisions. Uh, I mean, most of your listeners will already have a view about this, but um, cutting councils and therefore communities out of planning decisions is re- really, really um, deeply unfortunate. It's, hand- it's handing that decision making process. Essentially over to developers, uh, and what we can see is a lot more of the same, um, and, and, and writ large. So yeah, my, my, my view of the, of the housing package is, um, is, 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 uh, pretty dim, really.
1: It mm. sounds like 2 out of 10 or something like that. I'm sorry? It sounds like 2 out of 10 to, to think yeah. about it as, as a grading yeah. university teacher. Yes indeed. Mm. Now more specifically to the social policy implications of the housing statement, focusing on affordability, homelessness and the public our social housing response to these aspects of the crisis as detailed in the housing statement. What have you got to bring to our listeners attention in that regard? Um well, I don't think that
0: the the package is going to solve the, the housing crisis or, or, or um, housing crisis is, is a lot bigger than mm-hmm. um the actions of any single government um, really sure um but look so the social implications are pretty dire what what the government needs to be doing is is directly investing in the construction of new public and community and other forms of housing um and this fiddling around with trying to encourage developers to do more um try- <clears throat> Trading public land, valuable public land, um, and you know, a really, really, really valuable asset for very little gain. Uh, I mean, why are we not building 100% social housing? Let's call it social housing as, a, as a, an umbrella term for public and community housing. Uh, and other forms of housing, indigenous and women's, and so on. Let's just call it social housing for, as a shorthand, which is how it's usually referred to in Europe. Um, why are we not building 100% social housing on government land? Uh, why, 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 and why, why are we not re-engaging um, uh, state housing developers? For for, for many many decades, um, we've had. Um, state land agencies, uh, you know, the Urban Land Authority, it ran ran through various names and and guises, but its role as a state body was to control the release of land, uh, crown crown land, um, public land, um, and build itself, uh, and then release that land uh, and, and, and release the housing, you know, sell the housing, that they were building, uh, to uh, moderate-income households. Uh, And they were also building in various ways, in different forms of affordable, more affordable housing. Um, But maintaining control of the process and maintaining control of the land, critically, that's how you maintain control of prices. Uh, And that, that whole idea has been completely... And there is no state land um, agency anymore. There's a the Development Victoria, which, well, actually, I don't know what it does. Um, it sort of faffs around with big projects like at uh, Fisherman's Bend. And then there's the Victorian Planning Authority, which is anybody's guess what that does. Um, but, um, I mean, we're not, we're not managing our assets at all well. Uh, and, in fact, we're giving them up for... Very little gain, uh, and oh, it's, it's squandering of opportunities, um, and the social implications of that are dire, and they're going to continue to get worse.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, particularly also homelessness, most likely, and, uh, and affordability, certainly. Yeah. Yes, of course. Mm, yeah. Let's sink that in. <laughs> Let that sink that in, but at least listen for a while, and have a bit of music. Dirty Dollar by Gef Comedy. <laughs> do think again 3cr 855 am on your dial 3cr digital and streaming at 3cr.org.au today we're talking again about housing especially commenting on the recent victorian housing statement but also widening the conversation a bit to get a more comprehensive overview of what the housing crisis, crisis really is about Kate, I have been really wondering ever since I came to live in this country in the mid 80s why <coughs> the entire discussion about housing and, of course, the lived experience of housing as well is so narrowly limited to the private versus public options. Sort of a kind of the juxtaposition between the Aussie dream house ownership versus everything else. Actually, everything else meaning inadequate. Including living in private and public rentals, for example, cooperative housing, co-housing, even respectable, and I put that in quotation marks, social housing, like in the European countries I've lived in, are just not being considered adequate. What is your take on this, Kate? Mm. <clears throat>
0: yeah, it's it's it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a very potent point that you make, and it's one that that. that um, a lot of housing commentators have been observing. Um, there, look, there are multiple reasons for this. One, one, one very strong reason is the way that our banks uh, and financing systems operate. Uh, and this is a, a consequence of government legislation. Um, banks require equity to lend uh, and they want... Uh, titles as equity. So this has produced uh, you know, the arrangement in which somebody has to be able to provide a title to, to their flat or their piece of land in order to be able to borrow on it. Um, a lot of European countries have have, have a much more diverse um, system of lending. Um, and and so it's possible to borrow for share housing. Um, it's, it's possible to borrow for... Uh, owning um a share in in a housing company uh without being able to, you know, without having to provide the title um, so there's that there's also much more engagement uh of pension funds and other sorts of um, financial institutions um, <clears throat> equivalent to our superannuation funds uh, in supporting particularly co op housing in Switzerland and in Germany, most of the um the large co-ops that you see um that have um you know, very affordable rentals are underwritten by pension funds that are <clears throat> happy to have a a low yielding and low risk um <clears throat> source of return. Um and often it's very low risk because um people on statutory incomes essentially have their rents underwritten by the government. So it's you know, it's one of the lowest risk um investment propositions that you can find. Um unless the government collapses in those countries and and, and obviously they're rich and, and very stable. So, I mean that that's the kind of the financial Aspect, Um, but but I think more profoundly here is we Australia has a deeply neoliberal political mindset that that uh, invests um, a great deal of responsibility and faith in the private sector and private sector provision, Um, and as we (laughs) as we know only too well. Um, private sector provision of, of housing and services and, and other essential social items has not proven to be a successful um, way of delivering these services but uh the ideology overrides the um the ability to see clearly. Uh we we you know we don't monitor, we don't assess, we don't evaluate, we don't actually look at even questions of value for money in terms of privatisation of utilities and so on. I mean, it's really, it's really quite extraordinary the extent to which we are so blinkered. Um, but yeah, uh, slowly, slowly there is a little bit of movement. Um, so we see uh, the housing co-ops and, and co-housing models, you know, being developed. In Brunswick, you know, places, you know, like the breathe people are doing with, you know, Nightingale in the Commons and so on. Mm. But it's very small. It's very small and it's very slow. And there's a hell of a lot of wheel spinning, to, you know, just to get these, um, <clears throat> you know, yeah. like, most trifling of outcomes.
1: Yeah, I've been part of some of those uh, attempts, and you're right. The, the hurdles are terrific. Yeah. So back to what I mentioned in the introduction. Why is it that the structural context of the housing issue is rarely mentioned in many of the debates? You just started to do this. Why are the links between the housing crisis and the absolutely explosive price rise in all types of housing so r- rarely mentioned? My only yeah. my own experience. In in uh, when was it? In eighty seven, we bought a place. A very simple wooden house basically, uh, for 120,000, meanwhile real estate people come every second week in front uh, of our house telling us that we uh, could be making a million six hundred, seven hundred thousand out of it. (coughs) You know, that is like 15 to 20 times more in 35 years. Where's the reason for this? And I remember a few Michael Pascoe articles in the New Daily addressing the link between wealth accumulation and housing. And one time, Ross Kittens in the age talked about the market value versus the use value of housing. But even in policy research papers, that seems to have become taboo. Again, yeah. Kate, what's your take on this?
0: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you, you're you're absolutely right. Um, look, again, it, it's it's much much of what we're talking about is due to, to neoliberal ideology, uh, um, but I think the fundamental. Problem not just here, but, but throughout the world. Less so in, in the social democratic um, European countries that you're, you're that you're thinking of, um, is the treatment of housing as an investment product. It's a, it's a it's a it's a commodity like the share market, where people can put their money and make profits. Um, and as people like Ross Gittins and Michael, Michael Pascoe and, and, and many others observe, there is very little incentive for governments to change that because there are more house owners or, or would-be house owners, um, people who are paying mortgages, who benefit from seeing the value of their houses go up. Um, even Even if it means that they're going to have to pay... At least as much as they gain um, on the sale of their existing asset to live somewhere else, uh, that doesn't kind of seem to enter the psyche what they see is that there's the one point six million that their property is worth without having to having had to lift a finger um, and 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 that benefits so many people um, so many property owners that that the governments are loath to touch that um obviously uh the uh negative gearing and capital gains tax discount is a huge um tax incentive for people to buy more property than that which in which they live um as an investment product um <clears throat> so you know um and, and and indeed um the labor government before when it was in opposition um under shorten tried to lead an election campaign on um winding back, not getting rid of completely winding back those tax incentives for investing in property uh and as we know there was a, a, enormous um um <clears throat> misinformation and you know and 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 violently violent violently disingenuous. Campaign from the murdocracy and and and, and fellow travellers um, <clears throat> against the you know the, the removal of any of those incentives, uh, you know our right to invest and so on. So I mean we've got some really big problems there. Um, we also have to consider the relationship of governments with property developers. I mean property property development in Australia in Australian cities. Is pretty much the only game in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if 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 we didn't if we didn't have property development um, as a significant part of 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 growth domestic product, we'd be in recession, um, in a serious recession. I mean, Australia doesn't you know apart from digging stuff up uh, <clears throat> and building on it. I mean, it's all about real estate. It's all about land. Um, so, governments are terrified hmm. of 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 winding back those relationships. And as Dan Andrews said, when he made you know when he when he announced the um, the Victorian housing statement, this has been prepared with our friends, the Property Council, who was standing next to him in the media release, right? I mean, he was standing next to representatives of the property development industry. Uh, that's that that is the extent to you know how close they are. And the property developers um, you know, wrote wrote the policy basically. Now, just one more thing to reflect on, which is I think what you're getting to. Um, this this constantly rolled out argument that we need to increase supply across the board and that's gonna bring up prices down. I mean that is just absolute patient nonsense. Uh, and and anybody who looks closely <laughs> knows this. Developers stop building when there's a, at the first sign of glut, at the first sign of surplus. If the, if if they start to see property prices going down, they don't build anymore. Um, and the government has no control over that. It could, um, but it, but it doesn't at the moment. Um, and as you know, property, the, the, you know, property media, the the, the news media, um, get very alarmed as soon as we see uh, any kind of drop in in housing values. Right. So, I mean, it's patiently obvious <laughs> that building more is not going to bring prices down. It will advantage the developers greatly. Mm-hmm. uh <laughs> um to the extent that they're willing to keep on you know keep building mm-hmm. um without without reducing prices mm-hmm. so uh it's a it's a it's, it's a perfect little virtuous circle yeah. for the property property industry and the government mm-hmm. and they don't need to see the logic or monitor and evaluate mm-hmm. the outcomes of their policies because it's not That's not what these policies are about. These policies are not about achieving affordability. The policies are about keeping the development industry and their mates. Happy and the relationship cozy.
1: Thank you for being so clear, dear Kate. (laughs) Thank you so much for helping us making more sense of the housing crisis and the way in which the Victorian Housing Statement will possibly make not much of a difference in that sad ongoing story. So thank you so much for spending this bit of time with us and with the listeners. And we are really running short of time again. This afternoon, will be, you're very welcome, Jacques. Uh, thank you, thank you, Kate. This afternoon there will be a concert in Shepperton, and I can't uh, make the full announcement anymore because, as I said, we are running out of time. Uh, thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with me, Jacques Boulet and Dr. Kate Shaw, social geographer at Melbourne Uni. Remember if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email BorderlandsBorders at borderlands.org.au. Just put think again in the subject line and our programs are available on podcast now for Milcomana by King Stingray. Milcomana